John chapter 12, starting in verse 1. This is what the scripture records. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive perfume made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money back, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. As we dive into the scriptures together this morning, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for the consistency of your word. Uh, that as pillars fall and people fade, that your word remains so steadfast to us. We thank you that your presence is here right now. Would you give us courage to acknowledge it? Jesus, we ask that you'd speak to us today. That we might really, truly come to know you. Thank you that whatever is on our hearts that we came into this space believing or thinking about you, you desire to show us, show us the fullness of who you really are. So would you have your way? Would you calm us? If we don't think we belong this morning, would you nudge us into the truth that we do? Would we be so attentive to you? We love you and we give you all glory. It's in your mighty name, Jesus, all the beloved said. Amen. Uh, oftentimes, when I have read this passage, uh, if I'm honest, at first glance, um, it takes me off guard. It makes me a little uncomfortable, and I'm left questioning if it's a touch outlandish. That there have been moments when I've read this particular passage, and I've almost just felt a little bit like it's kind of weird. Uh, listen to it again, and listen to it from the place and truth that this really happened. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive perfume made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. A pound of expensive perfume. Man, if you do two puffs of, like, my grandma's old perfume, it'll about kill you. Like, this is a pound of it. And Mary, she pours the whole thing out. A pound of it on the feet of Jesus. But then it keeps going. She anoints his feet. And then the Bible records that she starts wiping the feet of Jesus with her hair. Are you hearing this? As I'm hearing this. The house is filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And Mary is washing Jesus' feet with her own hair. This moment, this real moment, that takes me off guard. It makes me a little uncomfortable. That if we really look at it, Maybe we might feel us a little outlandish. And Mary, I, I don't want to say that you are, but it does seem a little weird. But maybe, maybe that's my reaction. Because my response most of the days looks more like Judas towards Mary than Mary's reaction and response towards Jesus. 
The next verse, Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Now I don't help myself to the money bag, but I do betray Jesus most of my moments. I do act like a thief and take from this life that he has by his grace and grace alone given me to live. And as I've already made mention, I'm taken off guard. Uh, I'm made a little uncomfortable in passages like this about Jesus. I'm made a little uncomfortable and taken off guard, kind of like Judas. Kind of like Judas in this moment. I mean, if Mary's response to Jesus and all that he is, if her response to Jesus is to get on the ground and pour out the most expensive thing that she owns on his feet and then clean them with her own hair, I mean, do I know him like she does? Do I know Mary like, do I know Jesus like Mary does in this moment? Or am I just familiar, kind of like Judas? I mean, she makes no excuse or apology. She's not bothered by who else might be in the room or what they might think. She is in the presence of her Lord and her God, and she does what in her experience of Jesus would be the only thing to do. Absolute surrender, absolute adoration, worship, gratitude, and an expression of love. It was like who Jesus was, who he claimed to be, it wasn't something Mary just thought was true as an idea. No, 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 no. For this to be her response, she must have experienced something. She must have really known him. As followers of Jesus... As the church, is he an idea to us? Or do we know him like Mary does in this moment? Is the gospel an idea to us? Or is it really the only thing that has taken us from death to life? Because this is the response of Mary. And if this response makes us uncomfortable or caught a little off guard, if, if the response of Mary and the reality of this passage of her on the ground at the feet of Jesus, washing his feet with her own hair, if that makes us a little uncomfortable, we think it might be just a little weird. Friends, that has a lot more to do with us than it does with the good news and truth of who Jesus is to us and all that he is for us. This past Sunday, we blew by something a little too quickly Uh, that I believe gives us insight into why Mary would even respond to Jesus like this. Into why this is normal. Into why this response is how it should be. This past Sunday, remember, we talked briefly of Moses up on the mountain, as recorded in Exodus. And Moses and Yahweh, they're up on the mountain together. Yahweh, the one true God. Uh, the God who created your lips, hips, and fingertips. The God who marched the galaxies out and brought forth life from nothing and light into the darkness. That God. And Moses, he says to the Lord God, if your presence will not go with us, I do not want the promised land. And we blew by that part pretty quickly. But I think what lies within it is this deep awakening that we must have for the response of Mary to Jesus. To make any sense to us. Moses, he starts his life, remember? Brief biblical background. He starts his life in total prosperity. In absolute wealth in Egypt. He is in line to one day be Pharaoh, at the very least Pharaoh's right hand. 
There was no one above Moses in the chain of command. There was nothing that Moses was without. Whatever he wanted, he could get. Whatever he desired, he could have. Are you with me? Moses was not without. He was at the highest level of any job you and I could climb the ladder to. He was comfortable. He had it made. And by any measure of our standards, he was one of the most successful and powerful people in the known world. And Moses, the Bible records, he traded all of that to know the one true God. To live in relationship, intimacy, and experience with the one true and living God. And years later, after Moses' initial encounter, revelation, and experience with the living God, after the exodus out of Egypt, here he is again. Remember on the mountainside, and brief biblical background, God says, Moses, you can go into the land of the promise, but my presence won't go with you. And listen to how Moses responds to the Lord God. Again, If your presence will not go with us, I do not want the promised land. For I do not want the wealth of Egypt or the land of the promise. If it means I cannot know you. If it means I cannot know your real and true presence. And what lies within that is this deep awakening that we must have in order for the response of Mary to make any sense to us. Moses, all he wanted was the presence of his Lord and his God. Nothing else on earth could satisfy what Moses desired other than the presence of Yahweh. The presence of the one true and living God. And now, right here on the pages of John chapter 12, that same presence, that same God is in the room with Lazarus, Mary, Martha, Judas, and all the other disciples. That same presence is in the room, and Mary, she knows it. Not just an idea about it, but Mary, she, like Moses, knows the one true God. And in knowing him, Mary is willing to trade any wealth, any reputation, is willing to trade anything just to experience and know more of His presence. We, put, we like to put people in categories in today's world, don't we? Jesus, He doesn't really care for categories. Uh, he really only talks of death and life. It is a normal thing. It is a normal thing when Jesus has taken us from death to life to act and live in response like Mary in this moment. And somewhere along the way, we have started to dampen down how alive we are in Christ Jesus. We have started somewhere along the way to fall asleep, lulled into a daze that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead does not live in us. That the same presence that was on the mountain with Moses and was in the room with Mary is still in the room here today. That we get uncomfortable, caught off guard when Jesus and the truth of his gospel, what it does is takes people like me who were dead in their sin, And makes them alive again in the goodness of his grace and perfect love. Mary, she gets on bended knee, anoints the feet of the son of the living God, and wipes those feet with her hair. Because he's not just worthy of that. He is worthy of anything and everything we could ever offer to him. For he takes dead people and he makes them alive again. 
That's what his presence does. And the most wild part is that our God who deeply loves us, oh, he does not ask us for perfection. No, 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 no. He simply desires our attention. For when our attention is attuned to his presence, when we know him, when we experience the fullness of who he is, we are made alive again. Do you know this morning that there has never not been love in his eyes towards you? That in this moment of Mary washing the feet of Jesus, there was love in his eyes. That in the moment as Jesus hung on the cross for my sin and your sin and her sin, that there was love in his eyes. That as you drove your way here and sat in this space, in that chair, and are listening to these words, that there has never not been love in the eyes of the living God towards you. That his eyes towards you are not just filled with an idea about his love. They are filled with the fullness and reality of the passion of it. And the love and the presence that Mary knew, that Moses knew, that the church claims to know, should cause our response to look more like Mary than anything else. That we should be living a life that looks like this. The question for us would be, well, how? Those are the next verses. Mary gets done anointing the feet of Jesus. Judas gets done yelling at Mary. The fragrance of the perfume was still filling the whole house. And then verses 9 through 11. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Key verse. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. They came not only on account of him, but to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. The Jews, the religious leaders, the crowds, they had learned that Jesus was in the city. So they came near the house and inside the house they could smell the perfume from down the street. And the Bible records that they came to see Jesus. But not only him. They wanted to see Lazarus. They wanted to see Lazarus whom Jesus raised from the dead. How do you and I live a life that shows we know this perfect love? That we know this presence of the one true God. That we know this gospel and this Jesus. And we have in fact been changed from death to life. How do we live a life that declares we know him like Moses and we know him like Mary? And that our response to knowing him looks kind of like Moses. No, 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 no. I don't need what the world has to offer. I know the maker of it. That our response to knowing him looks kind of like Mary. No, 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 no. I don't care what you might think of me or what you might say about me. He is worthy of my worship in all of my life. How do we do it? What does it practically look like for you and I to live a life that looks like this in our ordinary and average days of the week? They came not only on account of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. When is the last time you gave testimony as a follower of Jesus to how dead you were before he made you alive? Jesus and Lazarus? People came to see what Jesus had done in a dead man. That's supposed to be us, you know. Body of Christ. 
People are supposed to see what Jesus has done in us. If we are made alive again, it gives people hope. It allows them to see the truth of the gospel. It allows them to see the realness of God's presence. And it's not just some Bible story. It's real skin and bone people. Now Lazarus physically died and physically was made alive again. But let us not believe the lie for a moment that the spiritual death and being made spiritually alive is not more important. It's basically the only thing that Jesus preached. Death to life. That's the gospel. Are we sharing how dead we were in our sin? Are we allowing people to see the imperfect lives that we live? Are we allowing the process of our darkness to come into the light to be seen by the people who we do community with? You think Lazarus was ashamed when he was reclining at table with Jesus? You think Lazarus didn't want people to know that he was dead and then made alive again by Jesus and Jesus alone? You think Lazarus had to put much effort into explaining it? I mean, imagine that. The large crowds are all around and inside the house. The smell of perfume is everywhere and the people start murmuring. No way. You, you, you gotta be kidding. Lazarus, is that really you? Yeah. And I'm alive. What? How? This, this is insane. What happened? He simply just points to Jesus. Maybe it's a head nod. Him. He made me alive again. His name's Jesus. Do you want to know him? You know, that's what we do. That's all we do. The most foundational level of church and follower of Christ, we simply point to Jesus. How? Share how you were dead in your sin. Share the current darkness you're going through. And then point to the truth that the gospel is still better. The presence is still more beautiful than any promise. And the God who made you alive invites anyone and everyone in. Huh? Look like Mary. It is normal. It is normal. If you have been made alive by Jesus. To look like a fool to the world. Huh? Look like Moses. It is normal. It is normal if you have encountered and experienced his presence to trade everything else to know him more. How? What does that look like? They came not only on account of Jesus, but also to see you, whom Jesus has raised from the dead. Your life is a living testimony of the power of His presence and the goodness of His grace and perfect love. Don't hide it. And make no mistake, if we do this, if the church really does this, if we really live into this, it'll infuriate the enemy. For that's what happened to Lazarus. As he was just sitting there, just sat there as a living testimony of who Jesus was and is. Verse 10 and 11 so the chief priest made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. 
Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Do you know that because of what Jesus has done in you, because of what Jesus is doing in you, many people might go away from death and enter into his life? Do we know that we're playing for keeps? That this is not idea. That this is reality. And your transformed life is a living and breathing testimony of who our God is, how much he loves us, and how much he wants all of humanity to experience his life. But I hear you. How do we know that this love is real? How do we know that this love is true and this life that he has invited us into is real? Oh, this Jesus? Just like Mary? He got on bended knee. Except this time... As Jesus stoops low, just like Mary, he washes the feet of people who would have never been worthy. He gets on the ground, the son of the living God gets in the dirt and washes the feet of people who would betray him and deny that they never even knew him. With love in his eyes, Jesus washed their feet. With love in his eyes, he washes our feet. Washing feet, we see our God in a place that absolutely makes no sense why he would be there except for the truth that he loves us and has life for us. Oh, this Jesus, just like Moses, he ascends that hill. Except this Jesus, he trades the presence so we would never go without. He trades the presence so we could always and only experience the promise. The promise of eternal life. Sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father, he willingly chooses death so anyone and everyone can be invited into life. On the cross, we see our God in a place that absolutely makes no sense why he would ever be there. Except for the truth that he loves us and has life for us. Do we know him? Are we living a life that looks like we do? I don't want to be uncomfortable or caught off guard anymore. I don't want to think it's a little outlandish or almost a little weird. I want to look like Mary. I want to look like Moses. I want to be found living a life in response to who he is and the truth that he has taken me from death to life. And if that is our reality, and it is, and if the gospel really does change everything about everything and invites you and I who are dead in our sins to life forevermore in Christ Jesus, then the only logical place that the living God should find us is at his feet. In absolute love and adoration. As we recognize the love in his eyes. You know there's only one other place in the entire narrative of scripture. Where we might see this from the one true and living God. Or we might see our God in a place that absolutely makes no sense why he would ever be there. Except for the truth that he loves us and has life for us. That dirty stable on Christmas. But more on that next week. Let's pray together. Lord God, we love you. Your presence is the only thing that we desire. We want to know you. Not just be familiar with you. We want to know you. We want to know you in the same way that Moses did on the mount. That we would trade anything and everything just to have more of your presence. We want to know you like Mary did in that house. Pouring out all that we have upon you because you are worthy of it all. 
Jesus, we want to see the love in your eyes. Holy Spirit, we want to be filled afresh with you. We want to come alive and wake up, O sleeper, into the truth that the same Spirit that raised you from the dead lives in us. Shape us into a community that knows you. Shape us into a community that knows you and is willing to look like a fool because you're worthy. That embodies your love and takes it into every nook and cranny of the city. All for your glory. We love you and it's in your mighty name, Jesus, all the beloved said. Amen. Amen.